0: Hello everyone, and welcome to The ManorCast, conversations about a vision of life that is truly good news for us, for our neighbours, and for the world. My name is Jacob Garrett, and with me as usual is Jonathan Cornford. Hi folks. ManaCast is the podcast of Managum, an organisation devoted to the integration of Christian faith with economics and ecology. Today, I'm talking to you from Wurundjeri Land, just north of Birrarung, or the Yarra River, in Melbourne. In Victoria.
1: And I'm speaking to you from Jar country in central Victoria in Bendigo.
0: And we'd like to acknowledge these peoples as the traditional custodians of these lands and we pay respects to the elders past and present. On this episode of The Manorcast we're talking about living with less. If you've been around the Managum website, this is a consistent theme throughout its work. You can find a lot there on the website written on the topic, along with helpful resources. That's at managum.org.au. On this episode, though, we'll begin to unpack what it might mean and what it might not mean to live with less, as far as we see it, and why it's such an important component of Christian life, especially in our context in Australia in the 21st century. But we also want to get into some of the questions and challenges that this call to life raises. And the first of which for me is kind of a basic one. Why would you even want to live with less? And my touchstone for that is my grandmother who grew up in the 30s and the 40s, sort of that interwar period and into the Second World War itself. And she grew up with great material scarcity, uh, along with most people around her. And so she looks to the lives that I have. And that my parents' generation lived as a wonderful blessing, a great abundant life. And she, when we talk to her about it, kind of can't understand why you'd want to live with less at all. So I guess the opening for us, Jonathan, is why are we even having this conversation? Aren't we living in such an abundant time?
1: Well, we certainly are, and it's certainly a counterintuitive statement, and really, I mean, it's a classic example of an idea that's a scandal to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, Um, Mm. something that does seem crazy uh, to a lot of people, um, uh, but for which I think there are many compelling reasons to be thinking about. And I guess the the key uh, thing, if we want to, say anything at all um in this podcast about why we might choose to live with less is that there's no one single reason there's a a, a whole bunch of dimensions that come into it uh, there's multiple mm. reasons that come together uh for 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 living with less and to start with at, at a very basic level the first of those is really just the necessity presented by a global ecological crisis um, that is uh, big and it's real and it's scary and climate change is uh, the most well-known component of that but there's uh, a number of other dimensions to that ecological crisis uh, resource depletion levels of pollution and contamination in the environment habitat loss and habitat destruction uh, and so forth so uh, the big-ticket reason we need to live with less is simply the planet cannot handle us consuming what we presently consume. Mm. So that is um, that is really a single compelling uh, reason to live with less. But it's, I, I guess, ultimately a, a negative reason. Uh, and we, if we're going to do it well, we need more positive reasons. And I think, actually, the real reason to live with less are for the more positive uh, reasons. And uh, they have to do really with what it means to live well, essentially, or what it means to live a healthy life or a whole life. And when I say healthy, I mean in a very broad sense of health. I mean both physical health, mental health, uh, spiritual and relational health. So health in in a big sense. So there's a, a lot of evidence to suggest that in the affluent world, in countries like Australia, that we are not well. And mm. a lot of people in uh, a whole bunch of disciplines, social sciences, uh, biological sciences, neurosciences, uh, people who are just cultural commentators and observers, and even just a average Joe and Flo who are making the connection between our affluence and our unwellness as a society and culture.
0: Hmm. And it seems that uh, even before the sort of affluence we have, it's been a biblical calling and a biblical warning as well to kind of moderate uh, the amount of stuff and the amount of money and the sort of what we sometimes might talk about as prosperity. Uh, I really like the saying of Agar in the Proverbs, chapter 30, where he says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread and he sees the the spiritual uh, threat of both sides of those things. He thinks, if I'm too poor, I'll be drawn to steal, and that's a dishonor to God. But if I'm too rich, I'll forget God and think that I'm fine without him.
1: Yeah, and uh, and there is, I reckon, the real kicker. If you want a big reason to be thinking hard about choosing less, uh, it's that for people in our position, it's something which may be necessary or if not necessary, at least something really important that aids faith or makes faith Mm. possible. Um, So one of the other things that's clear when we talked about our unwellness um, from a faith perspective, from a Christian perspective, we see in affluent cultures and Australia uh, right at the pointy end of this, uh, a a real crisis of belief. So not just fewer people choosing or or able to come at Christianity, but even those who are still within the church are finding harder to believe. Uh, And I think there's a lot of reasons why that may be connected to our material lives. And as you point out, uh, the Bible has very strong things to say about the connection between our material lives and our spiritual lives, uh, and that these two things go hand in glove. Uh, and paying a bit more attention, a bit to what the Bible has to say about material life, might uh, have a lot to do with uh, our spiritual health as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So these are the sorts of reasons we're going to try and unpack a little bit of as we continue our discussion today. The first thing we might need to clarify, though, is what exactly do we mean by less? Uh, it's the sort. It's it's quite a negative word. Do, is, does it just mean living with everything being lower, everything being less.
1: Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, uh, it's probably important to say we, if we're thinking well about living with less and if it's something to be uh, something that helps wellness and and a broader view of health, then uh, we can't have a simple or dogmatic view of what it means to live with less. Uh, we're really pointing it in a direction and it can mean a number of things. But probably the first major thing we need to say is, is it, what is really needed of us is it needs to be uh, the consumption of less new material coming into our homes or less material throughput of, uh, from our household economy. So that means uh, less things uh, coming into our homes, uh, less energy being drawn by our homes, less water, uh, less waste coming out from our homes. That's what we mean by uh, reducing our material throughput, because it's it's that which ultimately the planet cannot handle. Uh, and particularly uh, when we talk about material throughput, um, when we talk about things, material things, we're talking about new material, stuff that has to be dug up or cut down or there has to be land cleared to produce that thing for us. Uh, that's what we really want to be reducing. Mm. So that's probably the 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 big ticket item. There are probably some other things we could think about. Um, one uh, hard one for people to think of, about is whether we need to be living with less technology. Uh, <laughs> and there, <laughs> that's controversial. That's a, that's if there's really a sacred cow in our time, I reckon this this might be it.
0: Yeah, can you tell us a bit why? Because like, even when we've talked about it before. I, I'm on board with some of the things you say, but I'm still not fully across why that's been a, a strand of your thought on this topic.
1: Oh wow, well, yeah. So this really we probably should be a, a podcast, but let me just say some things quickly. Um so if we keep it on topic to to the to the why do we need a bit less, one very basic reason is that one thing we underestimate is that our use of technology and we think of it as sort of Technology is moving into the virtual realm, but it's actually fundamentally based on lots of material stuff and particularly oil and toxic metals being dug up from the ground all over the world. And increasingly, the um, massive amounts of energy being drawn to run the sorts of servers and cloud storage that we're all using. Uh, so actually, the footprint of the virtual world, which we sort of think is non-material, is hugely Material it has a huge ecological footprint on the planet, so that's one simple reason. And the problem of e-waste is just phenomenal mm. on the planet, and we need to get our heads around that. But actually, I'm as much concerned about uh, what our uh, distraction, our addiction to a virtual world, uh, is meaning for our our participation in the real world, our real relationships our real relationships, the people to places, to our ability to actually understand and engage the actual real physical and ecological places that we move in, our perception of reality, how we engage in politics, how how it's driving those discourse. There's any number of things, you know, how we think about sex, how we think about uh, consumerism, how we think about what's right and wrong, you name it. All of it's being driven in lots of unhealthy directions by uh, the way in which the virtual world is, uh, uh, the directions in which it's, it's taking us.
0: Mm, mm. And it's it, that's sort of the first hint maybe of the, the non-negative side of less is it's not less full stop, it's less so that it can be more elsewhere. It's sort of less engagement here, so more engagement there. In, it also comes to my mind that for people of my generation, we perhaps have less of an emphasis on material stuff. We certainly mm. do. And perhaps the under 30 crowd is most engaged in that virtual online world that has a real footprint. But it seems like we are also particularly, uh, we particularly gravitate towards experiences, things that don't have like a physical object that you can say, that's my my thing. But we we go on a lot of holidays or trips overseas. It's almost like a rite of passage for many people whether it's like following the snow for ski trips or whether it's just like extravagant entertaining, perhaps that's more across all the, all the generations. Mm. Uh, There's these kind of things that you can't, you could be quite minimalist in one sense and still be consuming a lot and putting a lot of throughput in the energy and material sense just with no obvious visual outcome.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I guess um, you. you so you're in your twenty somethings, and people in your generation have grown up in the world of cheap airfares, which wasn't mm. always the way of things. And and uh, and actually, even people in my generation and older have come to view world travel and cheap travel as almost something of an entitlement. Mm. Uh, so yeah, you I think you're right to point to the real impact that that has, particularly in terms of climate, uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions of plane travel.
0: Mm. And perhaps it's, in a, in a way, it might even be linked to that idea you were saying about technology of the more we we live globally, the less perhaps locally rooted we find ourselves to be able to be.
1: Yeah, and this is the real challenge, I think. So if we're to come at this uh, idea of living less, living with less, then uh, really what, if we're to come at it well, we have to be able to see into and, and actually see the truth of that what you were saying is that less is more actually uh, that it's not a choice against something it's ultimately a choice for something in um, you know in the language of the the new testament it's a choice for the life that really is life or hmm. uh, or in john's gospel life in abundance uh, and you know and and the gospel message is that that life Real life only comes to us when we give up the false pretenses that life, the life that isn't really life, and we die to that, which might seem on one side of it uh, unattractive and painful, but actually what you're going to is something much better, is the gaining of of real life. And and that's actually, in a way, it is actually the gospel movement that we're we're pointing to in a very practical and material sense, uh, the movement towards life through attention to what's happening in our material lives. There's one more sense in which we could live with less, which is uh, important and perhaps even just as scandalous as some of the others uh, to suggest. And that's the idea of living with less income. Uh, so not just less consumption, but uh, less uh, money. And there's different ways you can do that. We can uh, choose part-time work or less less work within households. We can make ourselves available for lower paid work or be involved in unpaid work. There's any number of different ways you can do it. Uh, but why would you do such a thing? Um, and really, that there's a couple of key reasons uh, and well, probably a few, actually. <laughs> so the first one is <laughs> there's multiple dimensions to all of these things. I hope you're getting that, that picture. Absolutely. One of, the, one of the, the key reasons is that we basically tend to consume to the levels of our income. So uh, the, the most surefire way to consume less is to earn less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is just basically an economic law. Uh, there are some people who are able to be very disciplined with their consumption and still uh, and consume well beneath their incomes. Not many. Most people tend to consume to the level of their incomes. Um, So that's one reason. A second reason is that uh, it really, uh, particularly if you're choosing to work classes, you're actually making a choice for more time. In this case, less really is more and In my wife and i 's experience, we both have chosen to work part times uh through our married life um, and particularly raising kids uh and in the the first that first period of their their childhood before they get to the school age uh we were both around a lot mm. and that was a choice for having a lot of time to spend raising family uh developing a home economy and it was a, such a positive thing. Uh, would wouldn't give up that for anything. So it was just uh, a, a golden choice. Uh, so that's an example of a choice for something. Mm. So essentially, uh, the the choice for less income is a way of uh, of choosing uh, more. Uh, can be a choice for more time. And oh, so the final thing it it can also be, or it really is. Once you've decided you can live on a lower income, and you begin to do so. Uh, what you gain by that is more freedom, actually. So this is a a key reason I, why uh, the Israelites are commanded to to not let debt run away ever with them, because debt is something that constrains freedom. It means you're serving another master other than God. Uh, and so the 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 lower our income needs in life, the more freedom we have to be able to make all sorts of different choices, uh, and we don't have to choose the work the hours we work or the type of work we do based upon just maintaining a lifestyle, but actually we can choose to make a much more positive uh, decisions around how we place ourselves around those things to serve people, uh, to serve the world, to serve God. There's any number of ways we can think about that.
0: Mm -hmm. And you sort of touched on it before, but it's kind of, is there a particular amount of less? How much less are we aiming for? Is it all relative? How do we go about Thinking about how much less, how many, how few, how many fewer hours, how much less income, how much less stuff, whatever it might be. Is it worth trying to measure it?
1: <laughs> it's a six million dollar question, isn't it? Um, well, not six million dollars because most of us don't have that anyway. <laughs> um, so, look, I think what it's really important to say, and this, I don't know if this is going to sound like uh, a weasling out of that question, is. I think it's important that we don't say anything hard by what we mean by less. Uh, And the reason for that is that um, if it's to be a choice for life uh, and for abundant life, then it has to take uh, strong consideration of context. Mm. And we all exist in different contexts. Uh, And uh, so to, to try and set a hard figure is, one, going to be just unattainable or hugely discouraging for some people and perhaps just doesn't even work for their contexts. Uh, It will immediately become a form of legalism by which some people judge themselves righteous and Mm. judge others unrighteous, Mm. (laughs) which is uh, something to be avoided. Uh, I think what we can safely say, though, is that uh, basically for most of us, in the affluent world, most of us in Australia, and probably realistically, most people listening to this podcast, uh, that we can all afford to make uh, some sort of choice for less, we can all all actually afford some sort of reduction in our material standard of living. There may be some people for whom that is not true. So we need to be careful to, uh, again, acknowledge that we're, this may not be directed at everyone. So So what we're beginning to say here is that the choice for less is contextual. It's not a hard and fast law. It can't be interpreted in one single way. There's no dogma. There's no single level that we can pitch. But actually, it's a direction uh, of life, uh, and it's pitched at certain sorts of people.
0: Mm. And there's certainly, globally as well as in Australia, many people who there's a fantastic case to be made for then should be living with more it's not equal across the globe or even within our country. And so it's certainly, yeah, it's this idea of less is definitely pitched at the wealthy um, and and people with much rather than equally across everyone. Absolutely. It also seems to me that it, like within that privileged sense of you have to have lots to be able to think about living with less, like you've sort of touched on, we can sort of found, find ourselves... Um, enmeshed in a context that doesn't easily allow us to step down once we're in it. Mm, yep. There's, there's, you know, if you've got lots of kids or you've planned your life or your place of living or your type of work or whatever around a certain um, amount of income or amount around a certain amount of work hours or whatever it is, it's not necessarily very easy to just live with less. That's right. and And, and it's actually much
1: harder to walk backwards from a, a life path than it is to not not make certain decisions in the first place, which is why if you're in your early adult years uh, listening to this podcast or uh, even late teen years, your decisions now really count for a lot because once you've gone a certain way uh, down your life decisions in terms of uh, the sorts of form of life that you accustom yourself to, the uh, the sort of Housing costs, uh, that where, you, where you live, the sort of work you're involved in, uh, once you have kids come on board, it's much harder to walk backwards from that. It's not impossible. And uh, so don't want to, to give that out clause that if you're, <laughs> off, you're in your 30s or 40s, <laughs> then this doesn't apply to you. That's not true at all. And there's actually plenty of people doing it. But it does mean you have to go carefully and you have to go wisely because you can't just uh, make a choice. Um, uh, for whole families that's you're going to suddenly radically change a whole life and that's going to go well for everyone so you know you have to again everyone has to pay a context to their particular uh real life context to, to the relationships what the, the needs of the people around them are and and the question of how you do it is in, as important as as what you do
0: hmm. and it also seems like that context goes larger than just like our household or our our suburb or whatever to like we talked about last episode, we're living in an economic system that has an imperative towards growth, which means that the system relies on constantly expanding and increasing production and these sorts of things. And one criticism the idea of living with less sometimes receives within that context is won't it be harmful to the economy and deprive people both at home and abroad of jobs? Won't it cause a contraction to suddenly live with less and against that flow of the system? Sure. And that's a very
1: uh, commonly uh, stated criticism. It comes up a lot. And it's interesting, be- before we get into a- addressing it, it's interesting just to note the logic of uh, underlying logic of the criticism. Mm. Uh, and that is uh, that the logic suggests that actually the way I can best help the world is to basically consume what I want and, you know, be a, a good consumer, you know, mm. uh, and and keep things pumping along. And, you know, as soon as we start to pay attention to that note of self-interest in that very strong it's, it's note. It's a little
0: suspicious that, that things could be that good. Things could be that And, and in
1: fact... I mean that's that's actually what a, many economists will say explicitly they'll they'll actually say that is actually the case uh, and even a, a certain number of christian economists and often that'll come back to um uh, be drawn back to adam smith and his uh what he wrote about the invisible hand everyone just doing uh mm. what they what they want works out better for everyone yeah it's actually it's actually not really what adam, adam smith said that's been taken out of context but we, we should pay attention to that that's the logic going going on and it is fundamentally not gospel logic it is absolutely contrary to the logic of the Bible we could argue against it uh, theologically uh, I think we can argue against it historically to show uh, that actually virtually all the major positive movements around social life that have come have come through people resisting the market in one way or another and demanding change be uh, that communities and nations institute some sort of change to the economic system hmm. uh, yeah so so we should just note that uh, the other thing perhaps to note about that statement is that it assumes that the jobs are for people producing let's say textiles or cheap electronics in the developing world at um, vast rates now that these are actually sustainable jobs uh, and that is a false assumption. They, these simply are not sustainable jobs. Even actually in a stable economy, they're not sustainable. We've seen that, that the way uh, uh, the, the world production system is to keep seeking cheaper labor. So some people might have a job for uh, you know five or 10 years, but there'll soon enough come a cheaper labor pool somewhere else in the world and production will shift there and those people lo- lose their jobs. Hmm. But actually with the ecological crisis, we, the world just cannot continue to producing textiles or cheap electronic goods or all sorts of other things at the rate at which uh, we are. Those jobs cannot be sustained and we can either choose to transition away from that style economy together and find planned ways to do that with the best social and economic outcomes, or it will happen in a series of economic shocks uh, that will be traumatic and the people who will suffer most from those economic shocks are the most uh, marginal and, and vulnerable in the developing
0: world. Mm. So staying the course is not actually safer than finding a new path? It is not, and that's the great lie inherent in that
1: question. But actually, to some extent, all that is a red herring because that's actually not what, not what we're talking about here. We are talking actually uh, about a voluntary choice to live with less that in no real-world situation is in danger of either crashing the economy or actually solving our ecological crisis in the more positive sense. So one reason uh, that is not a good reason to live for less is that by thinking, by me choosing to live with less, I'm going to change the world. Mm. I'm going to make things better because really that's the job of economic systems. It has to happen at a system level. Um, and... What we make, our, our choices aren't going to uh, just in and of themselves affect the systems. So we can, come to, uh, we can come to the relationship between our choice and those big system dynamic uh, in a moment. But, but really what we're talking about here is a voluntary choice for lest, first and foremost. Uh, and it's something, uh, I guess, uh, making a positive choice for something. And we're particularly talking about this as a choice of faith.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it seems like even above those systems there's if it's if you're being called away by what you read in the Bible and what you think God the kind of life God is calling us to uh it's not really a reason to stay to say well the system demands my uh work within its its cogs within its gears you you can't in good conscience continue living a certain way that um is against full spiritual life as well as against uh ecological necessity that's right yeah
1: so we we again and again we keep coming back to what we're making a choice for is is fundamentally a choice firstly about life about a choice for life for living well uh for in uh for ourselves and for our families uh and for our communities but that also goes hand in glove with a choice for the world actually because it's a choice of responsibility and mm. care for the world and those two things in the the great economy of God always go together what's good for us is good for the world and what's good for the world is good for us
0: mm. and we just need to learn that to be true it seems
1: that's right and we
0: need to actually
1: see it in sort of practical nitty gritty and this is i think one of the real areas where we can begin to see that the the dynamic of the the gospel working out in the practical nitty-gritty of real life, uh, that we can begin to see that a choice for the world and the choice for life are the same thing. Uh, and actually and and paying attention to what the Bible has to say about material lives, uh, being uh, content with enough uh, is actually good for both.
0: Mm. And as you've even written in the November issue of Man Matters, it's attractive to others as well. That, that form of life
1: absolutely i i actually think uh it's the most uh evangelical thing australian christians could do at the moment uh, is to begin to make a, in a larger scale and more visible way that the choice for less because mm. at, what that choice does uh in we 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 live in a time when when essentially religious words don't go very far and often actually communicate negatively to people. And so communicating faith, which is something we're called to do, is, uh, well, there's, there's an incredible challenge around that and barrier. But one of the things that communicates most profoundly to people is the way that we live. And people can see it. It's visible, it's tangible and material. Uh, and Michael Frost writes uh, that one of the things that that we need to be living question-provoking lives Mm. and the choice to live with less is really a question provoking life uh, and it it points materially to the direction which goodness and life and health lies uh, and it begins to become a an actual conversation point for bringing in uh the spiritual dimensions of life
0: yeah absolutely and we we see that in the letter of first peter uh, saying always prepare, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have sort of implies that people are asking that question. what What's going on with you? Why are you living this way?
1: Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, to cut it short, the most evangelical thing I think we can do today is to live well in a world of bad living.
0: Mm. And it seems like, though, one of the risks of uh, such a distinctive move, perhaps, in the way we live our lives is that it's at risk of becoming a bit of a fashion statement. And we sort of see that in our culture a little bit and subcultures of sustainability or urban hipsterism or whatever it might be, ethical living. These kinds of things like can often be motivated really well, but they also sometimes have an edge of uh, puritanism, as you've spoken about, but then also kind of like this greenwashing or fashion statement rather than mm, backed yeah. up or, or deep roots.
1: Look that's that's a really good point Jacob because you know um as with everything in life that we can um we can make good things bad by the way that we do them or the reasons for which we do them uh and so or as as G K Chesterton once put it uh there's an infinitude of angles at which we fall and but only one at which we stand um mm. So yeah, there's ways in which uh, the the choice to live with less can actually be unhealthy in certain ways, unhelpful, and even in some cases destructive of life. Uh, so I, th- I think your example of it being really just a, a bit of a fashion, uh, particularly being an inner city hip thing, uh, and that w- that would be tragic if that's what uh, living with less uh, <laughs> becomes, b- because it needs to be a, a life uh, a choice of a way of living that can be done anywhere in suburban Mm. Australia in Mm. rural and region Australia um yeah so uh, and that would be the death knell of it if it's just a urban you know urban way of living
0: yeah it seems like uh the minimalist movement has a bit of a risk of that it's not all bad and it's it's pushing for a lot of good things as well but there are certain forms of minimalism I've come across where it seems to lead to quite a high waste lifestyle or quite a luxurious lifestyle in in certain ways like there's kind uh, of yes. a you know yep. if you're only going to have one object make sure it's the most bespoke beautiful yes. object possible yes. and it and yes. it can be yes. quite a a selfish aesthetic uh yes. way of living which is not necessarily antithetical to living with less it, it is a beautiful form of life and it does allow for these kinds of uh opportunities in some ways but if if wanting to live with less clutter means you throw out all this stuff that's quite actually useful and that someone can use, uh, that's not necessarily balanced.
1: That's right. And if it also demands a really high income to pay for those particular high value bespoke things, then that also does uh, start to raise some questions as well. Mm. So, you know, it, it just keeps driving us back to the, it, what's the spirit behind this thing? What are the reasons for the choice? And, you know, the the other dangerous reasons which can be really negative are either a guilt-based choice for living with less uh the idea that um so you may have well understood that you know it's not sustainable for the planet uh, and it has all sorts of negative impacts particularly on people in uh, the developing world and therefore I need to live with less because the way I'm living now is bad and mm. and and, and and ultimately, you know, at the deeper subconscious levels, um, that makes God angry, and God doesn't like the way I'm living, uh, and so I need to live with less to 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 not be living bad, doing the wrong thing, mm. and that is not a good way to uh, uh, to think about uh, living with less uh, for all the reasons that uh, you know Paul talks about uh, faith and the law uh, that it, it crushes life, mm. uh, and uh, it, it, so. And 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 related to that then is also um, another reason is that it can become a very um, a legalistic sort of thing. You may, and, and this may be tied to some very real and passionate concerns for justice. And so this is something I'm aware of because I'm, I'm perhaps a bit inclined this way myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: me too, I <laughs> so think. I, I'm a, you know, when you see that this really is an issue of justice for other people, of uh being an of real uh that demands action to the the what 's happening with the global ecology but also what 's happening to, to other people uh then uh, it's quite easy to become uh to move from that passion around the justice of the issue to uh becoming uh legalistic and self righteous uh if you 're not making this choice uh then you are cast into the outer darkness uh, and, you know, those, so it becomes a dividing line of of who's in and who's out. And I think those are all really dangerous uh, uh, things, As which is basically, you know, what uh, Paul is arguing against again and again through the New Testament when he's, on the one hand, hold, trying to hold two things together is actually calling for a radical change in people's lives. You can't read Paul's letters and not come to the conclusion that he's uh, calling for Big changes. So in Ephesians, he writes to the Gentiles: you must no longer live like the Gentiles are living. Mm, I mean, mm. (laughs) how big is that? Uh, And yet, on the other hand, he's saying, but you can't live by a written law. You have to live by the spirit of life. So the way that we're called to live is by the spirit, uh, the way it's put in Romans: the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Uh, So, and that's really what we're, we're, we're always being called forward to and drawn forward to and that's um that's the thing we should be pursuing and seeking
0: Mm, and that's far more attractive like we've just been speaking about it's not this negative spirit of less 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 without replacing it with anything it's this what are you being drawn to more of and therefore when we're relating to other people on the topic what are we drawing them to it or are we whipping them to it or guilting them to it or judging them because they're not doing it and these kinds of things. It's completely otherwise.
1: Yeah, I, I think the really basic test case for people to think, is this a choice for life? And the other way of saying that, which is goes hand in glove with that, is this a choice for love? So in making this choice, am I being one, animated by, because I see that this is a direction which life and love lie? Uh, and two, as I start to move into these choices, am I? Are those things actually?
0: Am I experiencing life, and does it foster love? Mm-hmm. And almost, perhaps paradoxically, we've said we don't want to be prescriptive, but it does help to put some flesh on those bones. What sorts of guiding principles? What sorts of priorities does that foster? Do you think? Have you found in your attempt to live with less? What sorts of things do you seek after in that framework? So uh,
1: I guess a very simple thing that in my and and Kim's life, uh, in our choices, is our choice for less has been fundamentally a choice for more time. So that it, we've been uh, choosing to have more time to invest in family, to investing in a rich home economy, by which, and interesting I use that word rich, I mean, uh, rich in terms of experience and uh, and uh, culture I guess mm. satisfaction and mm. that involves things like growing our own food and uh, work continually seeking to be more um, ecologically in tune with our place if you like uh, so more more sustainable. Uh, so more time for that, more time for family more being able to choose good work, so and that means so allow choosing to live or being able to live on a low income has meant that we can uh choose forms of work both actual the work that we do and also the amount that we work is to uh, to really um to make choices which are both life giving for us but also really choices uh, allowing us to try and follow our discipleship serving God in the world and to to pursue that and given us lots of freedom to, to uh, what some people might seem like risky choices, but actually when you can live on a lower income, they're not risky at all. Um, so, and to invest more time in our local community, particularly so uh, both church and uh, being present and involved in, I guess, uh, in outreach and mission in, in the local community. It's a choice for all of those things. Um, so so that's the choice for for time has been really central to us. And perhaps I'll just say the other thing it's been a choice for and that's guided us is and something we haven't mentioned yet is that actually our our choice to live with less is not based on on not valuing material goods, but it's actually been a choice to place much greater value on material goods. Mm. A choice to uh to see huge value in all in the things that come into our house or, or more than is let me say more than uh, is uh generally placed upon these things in our culture so that we whenever we something comes into our house that the the challenge is to try and use it give it its best life if you like hmm. uh, and not just to, to use and discard flippantly uh, to to try and repair things, to try and take care of things, to try and make choices for things that will last, uh, and and actually, it's a choice to enjoy things, mm. material things. Mm. So it's not a choice against enjoying material things; it's a choice for more uh, uh, enjoyment. And so that's in, included, including in how we eat. So you know, uh, we've tried to choose. Uh, you know, less chocolate and less alcohol than if we just let our desires run away with ourselves. And that's not because those things are bad, but because they're actually really good, but they're, the condition of their goodness is by consuming them within limits. Mm. And so it's by keeping those things good by, by placing limits on, on on how we can consume them. So so there's some, some things that have been pretty guiding principles for us.
0: Yeah, I've often thought about it in my life as valuing things for what they are, not how much they cost or how easy they are to to acquire. And perhaps the best example of that is the plastic bag, like the the quote unquote disposable Mm. plastic bag that, you know, a hundred years ago, people would think this is a wonder material. It can hold water, it can hold things, and yet it can pack down into basically nothing. And yes. you can use it again and again, and it's very strong for how thin it is, and all these sorts of advantages. Yes. But we're we're just inundated with these objects, so we've got we've got contempt for them because of uh, how prevalent they are. But that's right. I guess it also leads me to a risk or a a sort of another paradox of trying to live with less that you sometimes end up living with more because you value <laughs> stuff so much that you accumulate it and think, well, that's not worth throwing out. That's not junk. And so, you know, many people, I think, have those plastic bag bags that are just overflowing with these objects. (laughs) Um, Or or like for me, I've got like lots of metal because I do a bit of metal work because there's all this scrap metal always. And so I have to actually say no to taking on new metal from skip bins or from waste dumps, whatever. And (laughs) you can actually end up with it's the anti-minimal life in some sense.
1: Sure. Look, I think that's a really great example of why we can't just say living with less is one thing, because I think you're dead right. In some cases, it can mean living with more of some things if we're to use things well. So I'm the same with like bits of wood uh, that I I think, oh, that could come in handy for some project around that, you know, uh, and scavenging bits of wood or keeping them. So I think you're, you're dead right. And actually, you know, with a plastic bag bag, we're, we're now at a A crisis point where we're we're running out of plastic bags. We have hardly any, and and we're we're starting to feel the lack of them because Mm. we've we've been using so little. But um, and you're right, they are an amazing product. The problem is not that they're bad; it's just the horrendous uses that we've put them to.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: But yeah, I I think you know it could end up we we live with some more stuff. Again, everything just has to be taken wisely. There's a point when living with more bits of scrap metal and scrap wood and plastic bags becomes hoarding and mm. it's really not healthy, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know? And, and so we have to, again and again, there's, there's not just one way in which we can go wrong. We just, it's all about wisdom and, and keeping the view of where is life in this thing.
0: Mm. And it really is those questions of what are you doing and why are you doing it? Not, yeah, this is the one way to do it. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully, folks, that's given you a little bit of a primer on what Managum means by living with less and the sorts of difficulties that can be involved in that, as well as some of the real great joys that we're being called to and the kind of life that we can find attempting to live with less in our context. If that's sparked anything for you and you're not yet involved in the Managum website or you don't get Mana Matters, that's the quarterly publication of Managum go on to that website, managum.org.au, and you can sign up. It's free. It comes either print or electronically. Managum is also a ministry funded entirely by donations. Uh, So if you'd like to support the work that we do, uh, that same website is the place to go, managum.org.au. Thank you, Jonathan. I really enjoyed that conversation. And thank you, Jacob. We'll leave you now with a quote from a 4th century Cappadocian bishop, uh, a man called Basil the Great, And he, in a sermon he gave to the rich, it's called Sermon to the Rich. Uh, It's quite a hard-hitting sermon. I encourage you to look it up if this whets your appetite. But he says, For if we all took only what was necessary to satisfy our own needs, giving the rest to those who lack, no one would be rich, no one would be poor, and no one would be in need. And that's all for today. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.